Today we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 2 is where we'll be. Now for the past couple weeks we've, been, we've had a Kingdom Builder weekend where we're, where we're talking about organizations that we're giving to to advance the cause of Christ here near and far outside of this place. But we'll be going back there and I'll give some more background about where we were because it's been a few weeks since we've been in 2 Samuel chapter 2. But before that I want to tell you all another story about my family and I since I'm new here at Life Church. Um, one of the shows that we love to watch as a family is Little House on the Prairie. I'm sure many of you are familiar. Great show. And uh, my, my daughters just love it. I, I never watched it until, I didn't watch it until my wife and I got married. And uh, just a great, wholesome show. And uh, my, my second daughter, Lila, she loves to dress up. She's always been very imaginative. And she got a pioneer dress for Christmas. So uh, and she, she loved that. She wore that a lot. And um, so on Christmas Day, there's something that I need from her. I don't remember what it is, but I'm in, in the kitchen at my parents' house. My parents are there, and my wife, aunt, and uncle are there. And I say, Lila, come in here. And it's like, I need something. I'm like, Lila, come here now. And she comes in. She, she plays it so great. She just puts her hands down, still wearing her dress, walks in. Yes, Paul? <laughs> so she got me. I was like, I don't know what, why I called you in here anymore. <laughs> you did great. So uh, they're, they're real cute. We love our children. They're, they're wonderful and a gift from the Lord. And, and uh, we're just so thankful for them. But that's a little bit. I'll try to tell, each one, tell you guys a story every week about my family just so you can get to know me better. But let's go ahead and let's pray before we enter the second Samuel chapter 2. Father God, we're so thankful for your word, but we're thankful for your truth. God, may your, may your word uh, do exactly as it says it will do, that it will divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. May it expose thoughts and attitudes of our heart today. And Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. I pray that you would be magnified and glorified today. And Lord, I ask you to use me, help myself get out of the way to bless others in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, to give everybody a little bit of background, Second Samuel, uh, we, we talked about how King Saul has died on Mount Gilboa. He's, been, he's fallen on his own sword. He's been wounded by an arrow, and he ends up uh, killing himself. And then news reaches David, and David finds out uh, that, that Saul has died, and the messenger ends up being killed because he said, I, I'm the one who killed the Lord's anointed. And from there, David mourns with his men. And then it comes to the point where it, now it's time for David to start to take uh, the kingship, at least in Judah, for that, for that tribe. So he goes up to Hebron after praying to the Lord. The Lord tells him to go and where to go. So he goes there. They make him king. Well, at the same time, uh, David's king over Judah for seven and a half years. And sometime in that time frame, we don't know when, there's a two-year time frame where Ishbosheth, who's the son of King Saul, is made king, and he only reigns for two years. So you have, you have David, who's king in the south, and you have Ishbosheth, who's king in the north. And, and there's, a, there's a little bit of a struggle and disagreement about who should be king over the nation of Israel. So that brings us to uh, chapter 2, verse 12 in our Bibles, Second Samuel. It says, then Abner sent messengers, no, yeah, no, that's the wrong chapter, <laughs> it's chapter 3, verse 12 of chapter 2, 
Now Abner, the son of Ner, went out from Mahanoim to Gibeon with the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. So Abner is the commander of Saul's army. Abner uh, is the one who made Ishbosheth king. He's the one who had the power to do that over the nation of Israel. And basically, he, he comes from this place, Mahanoim. We don't know exactly where it is. We know it's east of the Jordan River and probably northeast in the nation. But we haven't found the, the city. It, it's in ruins. We don't know where it's at anymore. So he crosses the Jordan River, goes to the west side, west and south of the nation to uh, Gibeon. And he confronts some of the men of Judah and, and it's important also to note that, that this place, Gibeon, was, was the same place that the Gibeonites came to Joshua in Joshua chapter 9, and they end up basically uh, lying to him and saying that we're foreigners and we're not going to hurt you, we're for you. So Joshua doesn't pray to God, and he makes a treaty with these people and, and says, hey, we're not, no one's going to lay a hand upon you. Well, fast forward, 2 Samuel chapter 21, David mentions that Saul actually killed some of the Gibeonites, that he did some evil and he killed some of them. It's not mentioned in 1 Samuel, but it's mentioned later in the book. Now, that's important to note because it's not far-fetched to believe that Gibeon, the town, has sided with David because of the things that Saul did to the town's people that he wronged them and he killed them. And of course, they're going to side with David and not King Saul. So, so uh, Abner goes down there. And then Joab, the son of Zariah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, one on one side of the pool and one on the other side of the pool. So here you have uh, Joab, who is actually David's nephew, son of Zariah. Zariah is actually uh, King David's uh, sister. So he's the nephew, he's the commander of the army, and he's there and he's the one who responds. Now, Chris, if you could put that picture up on the screen for me. So this is what they believe is, this is in Gibeon, or it's outside the city a little bit, but this is what they believe that, what the pool was. This is the actual pool, and I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, they actually found jars in the bottom of this pool with uh, names on the handles, uh, different biblical names uh, scribed into the handles of the jars that were down. And this is uh, about 37 feet in diameter, and it's 35 feet deep. And then there's the winding staircase down. So there, one army was on one side of, of this well, one on the other side of the pool. And, and then they begin having this conversation. Just to give you a little bit of picture, sometimes it helps to have a picture to help set, uh, set uh, where we're at. Uh, verse 14 says that Abner said to Joab, now let the young men arise and hold a contest before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So he's saying, hey, let's, let's have this contest. We'll let these young men fight for us instead of all of us fighting. So verse 15 says, So they arose and went over by count, twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and twelve for the servants of David. So this is this is what I believe is happening here. And and I confirm this in some of the commentaries and uh, scholars confirm this as well, that in this moment, 
that Abner and Joab are saying, hey, let's let these men fight. If we win, we'll be with your side. If, if you win, we'll be with you. And so Joab says, that's great, let's do it. Now, there's a problem here. The, the, there's a few problems. One of the problems is this is actually a Hittite belief. So the Hittites were uh, pagan people who, who served false gods, and they believed that you would take one warrior against another warrior, or ten warriors against ten warriors. Whichever side won, the, the, the side that lost was the guilty party. It's like, you know, if you've ever played basketball, hey, if, if you really got fouled, shoot the foul, and if you make it, you, you got it, you know, you were fouled. The ball never lies type situation. But really, they, they do that. But on top of that, they do 12 and 12. So 12 for the nation of Israel to represent. There's a problem because the nation of Israel is not represented. Benjamin is represented, but not Judah. You don't have all of the tribes represented. So it's like, who are these guys to decide the fate of the rest of the nation? And the kings aren't there. Ishbosheth isn't there. David's not there, and they're basically saying, hey, let's go ahead. We'll put the kingdom up for, uh, on the line because we both believe that we can win. Absolutely. And Abner has that. He has that belief. He's like, let him arise. My men can do it. So they, I imagine they pick the best of the best, and what ends up happening is they take the head of the other in the next verse, and they take, the, take their swords, and they stab it into the other person, and all 24 die. So you have this Hittite background belief system of may the guilty party lose. And then you have the spiritual side of, well, the 12 tribes of Israel are represented, just like the breastplate that Joshua wore with the, with the 12 stones and the names of Israel written, saying like, this, see, this is the Lord's way. This is the Lord's, uh, him working it out. But the Lord's never mentioned here. So you have a mix of beliefs, almost like today it would be like karma, you know, whatever I do to somebody, good's going to come back to me. If I do evil to somebody, evil's going to come back to me. Well, there can't be a mixture of beliefs in Christianity. It has to be one way or another. And it's not, it's not, every, not everything that I do that's good happens back to me. Not everything that, that I do that, that's evil happens back to somebody else. Like, it's just not the truth. We can't have mixed beliefs. And they have this mixed belief, so their whole system is based off of something that is really a doctrines of demons mixed with truth. And it ends up bringing nothing but heartache and pain and betrayal and murder later on. And we'll see that. So then, uh, verse 16 says, Each one of them seized his opponent by the head and thrust his sword into his opponent's side, so that they fell together. And there that place is called Helkath Hazarim, which is in Gibeon. So the, I believe I said that right, but it's, it means the field of daggers. So they have this dagger match. Everybody dies in that match, all 24. Verse 17 says, And, and that day the battle was very severe, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David could sum up the whole chapter in that one verse there. Verse 18 says, Now these three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Azahel. And Azahel was as swift-footed as one of the gazelles which was in the field. So uh, Jonathan was one who was called like a gazelle. 
and so was uh, Azahel. Azahel was called as fast as a gazelle, as, as quick, you know, and, and you know, Jonathan was called like as fast as an eagle. And so the same thing, he's a super quick fighter. He's a very fast man. And these, and these three were all nephews of King David. And their, their father's not mentioned, but their mother is. We don't know why, um, but, but their mother is mentioned here in Scripture. Verse 19 says, Azahel pursued Abner and did not turn to the right or to the left following Abner. Verse 20 says, Abner looked behind him and said, is that you, Azahel? And he answered, it is I. And so Abner said to him, turn to the right or the left and take hold one of the young men for yourself to take yourself of his spoil. But Azahel was not willing to turn aside from following him. So so uh, he's fo- Azahel is following him, and he's, he's chasing after him. He's really quick. Abner's saying to him, hey, turn to the left or right, because he knows he's not as fast as him. And, and I believe that we also see a little bit of Abner's heart. And you see it early on in the chapter 2, but he, he basically says, hey, let's let the men rise and fight each other instead of us. Right? Like, let's, we'll, we'll play life and death with somebody else, but not ourselves. And then he says to Azahel, hey, don't follow me, even though I'm the commander. Don't follow me. Fight one of the other men who, who you can defeat instead of me. Like, he, he wasn't really a great leader in that. Uh, he, he really cared about himself. So then, uh, then he says to, uh, Abner repeats again to him. He says, hey, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? So remember, he's going after him, and he says, hey, fight somebody else, try to get their spoil, because really, in those days, whoever you killed, you'd get their stuff. And it would have been a great honor to get, to get Abner's uh, armor and weapons, and there would have been a lot of dignity that he had gained from that. So then, uh, then he says, hey, how, you know, why should I strike you to the ground, Abner says to him, as a hell, hey, how, why should I strike you to the ground? Because if I strike you to the ground, how could I lift up my face? Another way to say this, uh, Hebrew way, is that how could I even lift my face up without shame to your brother? And so it's, it's that situation where the old man knows better than the young man. Have you ever went fishing with somebody who is more experienced than you? And they're just pulling fish out left and right. They're using all these different lures. They know what to do, what to do and when to do it. And I'm getting like one or two fish. They've gotten 10 already. You know, same deal here. Like there's a different level of experience. So Abner knows I can kill him and I'm going to. Hey, quit following me, young buck, or you're going to get it. Even though you're pursuing, you're, you're pursuing after glory and it's, you're going to fail. And I don't want to cause division between you, between myself and your brother. And one thing to note about Joab, Azahel's brother, is Joab, actually, there's never a battle recorded where he loses in Scripture. So I'm sure he knows that. He's a great commander, that he's a strong man, that he is pursuing after uh, things with, with wholehearted desire, and Joab will do that. So there's some wisdom from Abner there. So the verse 23 says, However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the belly with the butt end of his spear so that the spear came out of his back. That's a hard hit. But also, 
he was running after him. He was running so fast. Azahel was running so fast that he, he, he was his own wrongdoing. He ended up chasing after something, pursuing something for his own glory. And who knows that we need to pursue God's glory, not our own glory. And that's, you know, this is a lot of pride that's happening. And pride brings downfall, Scripture says. We need to remember that. We can learn from his life. So then it says, he fell there and died on the spot. And it came about when all who came to that place and saw Azahel had fallen and died, they stood still. So they said, wow, how did that happen? He got stabbed through the back of a spear. How did that happen? It's an amazing, amazing thing that they saw and baffling thing. Verse 24, but Joab and Abishai pursued Abner and the sun was going down. They came to the hill of Amiah, which was in front of Gaia by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. And the sons of Benjamin gathered behind Abner, and they came to one band, they came to one accord, and they stood atop of a certain hill. And Abner called to Joab and said this. So he's basically like, there's a little valley, they're each on a hill, and, and uh, Abner says this to Joab. He says, Shall the sword devour forever? And then he says, Do you not know that it will be only bitter in the end? How long will you refrain from telling your people to turn back from following their brothers? That's interesting. Verse 27, Joab says, As God lives, if you had not spoken, surely then the people would have gone away in the morning, each from following his own brother. So that's him saying, Hey, Abner, if you hadn't opened your mouth earlier on this morning, we wouldn't be in the spot. We wouldn't be following our brothers. So Abner, remember, he, he moves from one area to another. He's the clear aggressor. So he shows up and he says, hey, let's let there be a, a dagger match between us. Let's let this thing happen. Play it out. We'll serve you. You serve us. If we win, you win. We'll go your way. But then Joab agrees, and he says, yeah, let's do it. So Joab's saying, it's your fault that we're even in this position. But also, it's Joab's fault as well. Joab didn't have the authority to, to put the nation of Israel on the line in that battle. He had the authority to defend. He had the authority to attack if it was needed. But they didn't have the authority of what the king said. And sometimes we forget the heart of the king. It's easy for all of us to forget the heart of our king. They forgot the heart of their king, which was David's. He wasn't pushing anything to take over the nation of Israel. He, you know, he sent some messages out saying, be on my side. But he wasn't saying, let's go fight all these people. Let's go fight our brothers and sisters. And even, even if you look back in scripture, he really didn't want to do that at all. And then Ishbosheth really was a person who really did not make any decisions he just stayed in the north, and he let, he let uh, Abner just do whatever he wanted. So they forgot the hearts of their king, which is for their brothers and sisters. And it's easy for us to forget about our brothers and sisters when we're struggling about something or we're angry with somebody else. And sometimes we even forget who the real enemy is. And we'll get to that in a minute. But he says, uh, 
says that they, that, uh, he says, from following each his own brother. Then Joab blew the trumpet and all the people halted and pursued Israel no longer. They did not fight anymore. Abner and the men went through the Arabah, which is a word for desert. It's a desert place, a certain area. All that night, and they crossed the Jordan. Walked, and they walked all the morning and came to Mahanoim. Now Joab, so that, that's the kingdom of the north, the kingdom of the south, says Joab returned from following Abner, and he gathered all the people together. Nineteen of David's servants, besides Azahel, were missing. But the servants of David had struck many of them down, many of the Benjamites down in Abner's men, so that 360 men died. Then they took up Azahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men went all night uh, until the day dawned at Hebron. So both kingdoms end up traveling in the evening. Now, why did they travel in the evening? Probably because they didn't want to be detected by the Philistines. So instead of focusing on who their true enemy was, they focused on their brothers. And this whole thing that happened was because Abner, even though he knew that God said that, that David would be anointed as king, he still wanted to make Ishbosheth king for his own possibly selfish reasons because he knew he could rule however he wanted behind the scenes. And we have to remember that we all can either have an Abner or a Joab in us. And think about what would have been, what wouldn't have been wasted if they hadn't fought each other? You have 380 men die. You have 12 on 12, which I'm sure was the most elite, the, the greatest of the great, fight each other to the death. Think about what those men could have done against the Philistines. How much good it would have been for the kingdom of Israel, the true kingdom of Israel. And how many times do we get petty of this person said this about me and, and I think this about them and, and they want to hurt me and I can't forgive them and I can't, I can't let it go. It's not about an individual kingdom. It's not about our own kingdom. We have to remember that it's about the Lord's kingdom. And his ways are counterintuitive. What makes sense to say is, hey, let's let there be a dagger match between the two of us. Worship team, you can come forward. It'd be better if there was a dagger match between two of us. It'd be better if we spoke words and we were villainous and we, we spoke death instead of life over our neighbors and our brothers and sisters. But instead, Jesus says, no, I want you to speak life. He said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. He's a good God. So my question to all of you, is there either an Abner or a Joab? Joab was in this spot where Joab said, if it was, weren't for the words that you've spoken. But Joab had a part to play in this. He could have stopped it all. He could have said, we're not going to do this today. You're our brothers. He could have led with that line. Abner, same thing. He could have stayed in Mahanoim. He could have chose to support the true king, David, but he didn't. So are you in a place today where you feel like you're exalting your own kingdom, even if you can't realize it? Because really the perspective of things really make us see things only one way. Joab can only see things his way. Abner can only see things his way. 
We don't want to be complainers like Abner, especially when we were the one who was in the wrong and we, we helped it get to the spot that it's at. But we don't want to look at everything like we're only the victim like Joab. Amen, everybody? I know this isn't the easiest message today. Just going where I feel like the Lord led me.